A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on the account of the crowd, he could not see because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. And then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Elaine. Well, once again, grace and peace to you, beloved. I am Amy Wilson-Feltz. I'm the pastor here at Morningstar, just in case you haven't had a chance to meet me yet. I am delighted to be with you in worship this morning. Let's take a deep breath. <clears throat> Gracious and loving God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, because you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So my experience in ministry has given me the opportunity to travel and to serve for short periods of time in a few different countries. Those adventures brought me to dinner tables in villages in Africa, in a high-rise in Palestine, and in a children's home in Guatemala, where my gracious hosts served me delicious food, such as sadza, and falafel, and tostadas. The table is the location of our current worship series, which concludes today on the first Sunday in the season of Lent, and so far, we've talked about building the table on the foundation of the teachings of Jesus. We've talked about setting the table with a recognition of our own hunger and our own need to be filled. We've talked about gathering around the table with a sense of humility and gratitude. And that brings us to the concept of extending the table. And for that notion, we turn once again to Jesus and to the narrative of his life as it is told in the Gospel of Luke. Now, if you grew up attending Sunday school and vacation Bible school like I did, you might remember images like this one and perhaps even call, recall words to a song about a wee little man who climbed up in a sycamore tree 
or the Lord he wanted to see, right? Well, it's important for us to recognize why Jesus was passing through Jericho, or at least when he was doing so. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus as he was teaching with his friends in Capernaum. You can see Capernaum at the top of the map there. And throughout the narrative of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus and his friends have been making their way south along the trajectory that you see in the line there on the map. What we know from what happens later in the story is that Jesus is walking through Jericho at this point on his way to Jerusalem, where he will be warmly received with the waving of palm branches and the shouts of Hosanna, only to be arrested and crucified less than a week later. So this is where we are in the story, toward the end of Jesus' earthly ministry as he prepares to make his final ascent Remember, we always go up to Jerusalem because of the elevation. He's making his final ascent to Jerusalem to die on the cross. And his journey is a working one. All along the way, he is preaching and teaching and healing and building a reputation for himself so that by the time Jesus reaches Jericho, the word had spread about his itinerary. People knew he was coming, and the crowds had already begun to gather. Our friend Zacchaeus was among those crowds, presumably because he'd heard about Jesus, and he wanted to see the man with his own eyes. To the aggravation of the religious leaders and to the amazement of the masses, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of a carpenter, had begun to challenge the authorities and to stir up the crowds, even going so far as to break the law of Moses. He'd been healing on the Sabbath, He had been eating with people who were excluded from proper gatherings, and he had been reinterpreting the law through a lens of love and grace. It was all very exciting and also very dangerous in a time of military occupation. But Zacchaeus could not stay away, and perhaps that is because he had garnered an interesting reputation of his own. Zacchaeus would have been well-known in Jericho as the chief tax collector, but he would not have been well-loved, as it would have been assumed that he had amassed his great wealth through dishonest and greedy practices, which is probably why we can practically hear the people in the crowds gasp as Jesus walks to the sycamore tree, stops, looks up, and says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. I'm going to your house today. This passage from Luke provides us with three common responses when we are facing an opportunity to grow in our faith and in our practice of faith. With Zacchaeus, we see an earnestness, an an eagerness to be with Jesus, to know Jesus, to learn from him. It's a brand of foolishness that we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, that same brand of foolishness that we saw when King David danced in front of his royal subjects is what possesses a grown man to to climb a tree, to climb a tree for just the possibility of a glimpse of Jesus. With the crowds, we experience a critical attitude, judgment of both Zacchaeus and Jesus because of the people's skepticism toward the tax collector and because of Jesus' willingness to associate with such an outcast in such a personal way, to go to his home. 
It's the interaction between Jesus and Zacchaeus that provides us with the best response of all, one of acceptance and inclusion, as Jesus not only acknowledges Zacchaeus, but demonstrates a readiness to meet the man right where he is, right where he lives, regardless of the buzz of the crowds. And there was no doubt that Zacchaeus heard the crowds grumbling because he immediately begins to make what sounds like a defense of his character. We often read these words of Zacchaeus as a dramatic conversion experience on the spot, a confession of previous dishonest practices and a commitment to changing his ways and becoming a generous person. But verb tenses are tricky in moving from one language to another. And what Zacchaeus actually says is that he's already in the practice of giving away half of what he earns. He's already in the practice of making sure he corrects any miscalculation that would cheat anyone out of anything in his dealings with them. And he shares this information in the moment, not to the crowds to make a defense, but with Jesus to make a profession of faith. He's demonstrating that he's not just enamored with Jesus' reputation, joining in the crowds to pay the prophet some lip service. He's following in the ways of Jesus with a life of service. We can almost imagine the noise of the crowds being muffled to a dull roar in the background, perhaps being completely muted to the ears of the two men as they face each other during this powerful exchange. Jesus receives this profession from Zacchaeus and responds with a blessing. To understand the blessing, we have to go back a few centuries to the time when God made promises to a couple of people named Sarah and Abraham. God said their descendants would be as populous as the stars in the sky. And as a Jewish person, Zacchaeus would have been included in that number. But that's not why Jesus calls him a child of Abraham in this story. When God spoke to them all those years ago, Abraham and Sarah were told that they would be blessed to be a blessing. That the purpose of their having a big family Precisely so that their family members would dedicate their lives to showing the love and grace of God. And in that way of living, they would find wholeness. They would find salvation. And it's that salvation of which Jesus speaks in this passage. He's saying that Zacchaeus has found salvation not because he's related to Abraham by blood, but because he had embraced with great generosity what it means to be a child of Abraham. He understood that he was blessed to be a blessing. So Jesus calls him a child of Abraham, a child of God, and that term applied to Zacchaeus might have been a bit shocking in the ears of the people in the crowd because Zacchaeus was, after all, a tax collector and therefore basically considered to have betrayed his heritage. So in reminding the people and Zacchaeus of who the man in the tree really was, Jesus extends the table. Not by inviting Zacchaeus, but by inviting himself. 
Have you noticed in these stories about Jesus that we never see him eating at his own table? He's always eating at somebody else's table, often with people who wouldn't be welcomed anywhere else. And we often think about extending our table in terms of sharing what we have with others, and that is a key part of our generosity for sure. But if we understand God as the maker of the table, we can accept that the table has been extended already by God. And it's our task then to sit at the table with others. Sometimes that does mean inviting people to a place beside us at our own table. And sometimes, perhaps more often, it means sitting down in unfamiliar places, at unfamiliar tables, eating unfamiliar foods with people who have nothing left in the house except for what they put on the table in front of you. Or with people who are living under the oppression of a government that won't even let them cross over to the next city to see their relatives. Or with children who are living in a residential home and will never see their biological families again. Sometimes we find those tables thousands of miles away from home, as I did in my travels, but sometimes we find them next door. The point is that for Jesus, extending the table means going. Extending the table for Jesus means going to the table of others and sharing their lives with them in their context. So what does that mean for us and for the church? It doesn't mean that we should stop inviting people into this community of faith. We are building and setting and gathering at a table at Morningstar here where everyone is truly welcome. And we should keep inviting people to find their places here. And we'll remember that some people will never set foot in a church building, and so we will go to them with humility and with grace and a willingness to learn what it is that they have to teach us. This is part of what it means to be a vibrant and growing church, which is something that we will explore in greater detail on Saturday, March the 4th, during our church retreat. This is a leadership retreat. Everyone is invited to participate. All I ask is that you read that book, this book, The Adept Church, first. Look at it. It's really thin. Okay, you still have time to read it between now and Saturday, okay? I want you to participate. I want everyone to participate, but please read the book first. The Adept Church uses the analogy of the swamp the reservoir, and the canal to talk about church ecosystems. And we'll talk more about that concept at the retreat, but for now, let me just say, Morningstar is in a rare position regarding churches in this day and time, especially in the United Methodist Church. Morningstar is in a rare position. We have, at this very moment in time, the potential to create a culture in which we are not merely offering assistance in the community, but we are being informed and shaped by the gifts of our neighbors. And it is that kind of adaptation that brings new life into the community. 
and it includes a practice of generosity that is rooted in humility, which is why I dare to ask you to consider what it is that you will be giving to Morningstar, not to pay the light bill, but to continue to take the light of Jesus into the world. That's why we have these cards. I want to make sure everybody has one of these cards today. If you don't have a card, raise your hand. It's okay. Kathy's going to bring them to you. The card is available online as well. I've been talking with you all month in various ways about discerning what it is that God is calling you to give to support the mission of Morningstar. Today is the day in our local church calendar when we offer our practice of generosity to God and to seek God's blessing on the good that we are seeking to do in the community. Now, some of you have already submitted these cards, either in person or online, and that is great. Thank you so much. You're going to need another one today, not because I'm expecting you to give again, but because at the bottom, there's another opportunity to interact, to ask for prayer, to ask for some contact from me, because it's important in our practice of giving that we're not only talking about what we can give, but what we need to receive. I'm going to ask if you would consider bringing your card up during the next song, which is the song before Holy Communion, and placing it in one of these baskets that's up front. Now stay with me, okay? Stay with me here. This is not an exercise of pride. It is an exercise of humility. I am talking about making a financial commitment if that is what you are called to do. That's a spiritual practice. It's also a matter of practical communication and planning. It's necessary for our life together. It's also a little bit awkward and messy, and I understand that. But again, this card also gives you a chance to ask for prayer and to ask for contact from your pastor, which means that you can submit a card today, even if you've already done so, because you're offering yourself and your practice of generosity to God, but you're also asking for what you need, because that is how generosity works. We cannot give what we do not have. We can only share God's love and grace when we truly believe that we have received it. And it's in that place of abundance that we learn not only to be generous, but how to see other people in a generous light and walk toward them with faith and curiosity. Our Lenten worship series, Rocky Ground, just lost my remote there. There we go. Our Lenten worship series, Rocky Ground, Walking with Jesus on Rugged Terrain, will begin next week. And it's been designed to help us do that, to walk toward others in need, recognizing our own need as well. So as we move toward our celebration of Easter, we will consider the words that Jesus shared with his disciples in what is known as the farewell discourse, the words that he shared with them before his death. And in those words, Jesus encourages all of us to keep extending the table, even and especially when times are rough. Beloved, this is the path that has always been set before the church. But somewhere along the way, we've blocked it with our big buildings and our complicated infrastructure. But the good news is that Jesus never stopped walking this path. So all we have to do is find him on it and start walking again. Amen?
Amen. As we move today into a time of prayer, children, I invite you to find the crosses in your worship bags. Hey, Augie, Chris, Lainey, do you have your crosses? I'm going to put them in your hands as we remember that in prayer we connect with God and with each other. If you need a pen or your worship, your estimate of giving card, you can let Kathy know. As we're moving to God in prayer today, I do want to let you know that Tim Timmons has passed away. Our dear friend has passed away, and his service will take place on Friday, March the 3rd at 1 p.m. And of course, you are all welcome to attend that. So we will pray for Jan and for their family and for our community as we continue to move through our grief and our healing together. So I invite you to take a deep breath. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your love for us, which we experience through your generosity on a daily basis. Thank you for creating in us a desire to be generous as well, knowing that in our interactions with others, we see you face to face. So please bless this community as we seek to become even more generous. Bless our connection with one another and certainly hold us in our grief as we mourn our losses and trust that you continue to be in the business of making all things new. Amen.